Welcome to the Upper 90 Football Podcast, providing American coverage and opinions on all things football. I'm Abby Anderson. And I'm Justin Ruderman. And Justin, I see the kit you're wearing. MLS Cup Final. How was it? Oh man, what a game. The best MLS Cup Final in history, undoubtedly, and maybe the best MLS game in history? Uh, I mean, I'm not going to be one to argue with that statement. It was... Just incredible. I'm just grateful to have been there. You know what I'm saying? Because this was one of those games that it could have easily gone either way. And the thing that I was scared about Philadelphia all season was they do not lose games. They just don't, right? LFC won the tiebreaker on Supporter Shield by wins. Um, they both finished on 67 points, but Philly finished on that many points. Why? Because they drew so many games. So they just don't lose, and that happened again uh, in this game. We won't go through all the goals. Uh, it started with Kellen Acosta, lucky deflection. Uh, it ended with Gareth Bale in the latest goal you ha- there has ever been uh, in MLS Cup, right? Yeah. Um, in the 128th minute, and that was breaking Elliott's record that set five minutes prior to that, the 123rd yeah. record. So it's like, it's just insane. Um but go watch all the highlights if you haven't, because I'm not going to explain the whole game. But it went all the way to penalties because um, Elliot in the 85th minute, leveled it with an incredible header right after Murillo just had a header uh, in the 83rd minute within two and a half minutes, two goals there. Um, <clears throat> so two goals in the last 10 minutes of regular time, two goals in the last 10 minutes of well, stoppage time, really, of yeah. uh, extra time because, of course, Maxime Cropo came out trying to get onto the end of a back pass from Jesus Murillo, and that back pass was a short. Corey Burke got on the end of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maxime Cropo just snapped his leg um, it, trying to make the challenge. He took Corey Burke down. It was given a yellow originally. I was shocked. I was like, that's a clear red. Um, yeah. Upon review, it was a red. Um, unfortunately, you have to give somebody a red while they're getting stretchered off the field. Uh, but it was a red. John McCarthy comes on. Um, Mahalik Mapoku has to come off for him, down to 10 men for LAFC. And you think, okay, they just have to find a way to hold on to this 2-2, right, at that point, and get uh, into some penalties. And then, of course, Elliot scores and his brace, and you think, okay, he it's over. Um in, in fact, you know, reporters on the field were told, you know, prepare the the uh, trophy celebration. Elliot is about to be the MVP. Uh, get ready for for all of that. And then Gareth Bale, of course, struck. Um, and of course, the one thing I knew about John McCarthy going into penalties was he's a penalty specialist. Mm-hmm. It's the one thing I knew about him. Um, he, I didn't even realize he was a Philly kid. Uh, he grew up in Philly. He has been in the Philly system before. Um, he was at Inner Miami last year. I knew that, but he has not gotten any time for LAFC really this entire season, like one or two opportunities. And now he's thrust into the biggest moment and comes up just as big as he can possibly can and wins the MVP. Yeah. And the first goalkeeper to ever come into an MLS Cup final as a substitute. And he shows up big for LAFC. Wow. Yeah. So. It doesn't get any bigger than that. Um, he's been enjoying his moment. I've been talking to him since uh, the final. He's lost his voice. He's been partying. 
He uh, his celebration actually started at Chick Fil A though with his family. So just like you would celebrate John McCarthy, at, <laughs> you know Chick Fil A. But then of course went partying with the team, um, and yeah, lost his voice. He's been he's been enjoying himself, um, but as he should because you know a backup goalkeeper. I don't know what the odds are were for him to win MVP before the game, but I'm sure they weren't good. You would have made a lot of money betting on that. <laughs> you would have made a lot of money, um, but. You know, it's it, it's great to see because he deserves that kind of moment, the biggest moment in his career by far. Um, so, yeah, just great to see that for him. Um, of course, LAFC the, becoming the eighth team ever to win the Supporters' Shield and the MLS Cup. So congratulations uh, to LAFC and their fans. And uh, I thought Carlos Vela's uh, speech at their celebration yesterday was as good as it gets it summed everything up and he 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 said um you know i'm we've been working for this for five years basically Mm -hmm. um he said i'm i told you that when we got here we'd be champions it took five years sorry it took so long but here's your effing trophy (laughs) and that that's as good as you can sum it up to me it was a fantastic uh moment and yeah as i said at the beginning of this (laughs) whole rant uh it was just i'm just grateful to have been there um but i i need to hear more about your thoughts on this one because watching on tv is is a whole different thing right because i was feeling the atmosphere i was feeling the back and forth where i thought oh the game was this way the game was that way at 2-1 you thought it's probably over but you know there's there's always mls drama at 3-2 i thought this is over with 10 men how are you feeling watching at home i mean as much as the in-stadium atmosphere is a completely different animal, it felt the same way watching it on TV, mm-hmm. where you think, oh, LAFC's just won it. They yeah. won it off uh, Murillo's header, and then an immediate response by Elliot. And you're like, okay, well, this is very uh, dramatic for an MLS Cup final, very fitting. And then you get to Crepo making that ultimate sacrifice, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He just had to do it because that's just a terrible, terrible pass. Biggest play of the game, wasn't it? Yeah, Corey Burke for sure would have been in, so he just has to put his body in the way. Literally sacrifices his body, gets kicked out of the game. Um, McCarthy was able to come in and do a good job. Sacrifices the World Cup, too. That's right. He probably would have been uh, with Canada in Qatar, and now he'll completely lose out on that opportunity. But I think you ask him, he would say it's worth it. Oh, no, he did. He's, his wife was at the celebration um, wearing his jersey, of course, and had him on the FaceTime give a speech that he had prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, ton of great moments. And, of course, John McCarthy continues to give him praise uh, in all of his interviews, uh, which is great to see. So does you know, just head coach Steve Trendolo and all of the players because, as you say, he, he made um, the, the big sacrifice and sacrificed not only his leg and his, you know, uh, four to six months recovery time I think is estimated for him but uh, successful surgery for him good to hear that but yeah World Cup gone um, but he's, a, he's an MLS Cup champion that's right and then you get to all of that added time at the end of extra time oh, man. where it really even though it's more of an extension of the extra time that was already there it just feels more crunch time because it's actually Extra, past yeah. 120 minutes yeah yeah and because it was get nine minutes Elliot goal, yeah and you're like ah well he's just done something really crazy in la he's beaten la fc 
by himself practically. I know. Well, the <laughs> save goals. the save before the mm-hmm. because McCarthy. I mean, that was as as called on the broadcast. Right, would have been one of the best saves in MLS Cup history, and but Elliot's there to tap it in. Yep. Um, and and then, and then of course Gareth Bale. How, yeah, I mean, how just, was that goal on TV? Because well, I was fully. The, like, ah, I feel so bad for Justin. LAFC's just bottled it at home. And Gareth Bell comes on, and I know a lot of people had questions about him because maybe he didn't have the same effect that people were hoping he would have, mm-hmm. being a little lazy. But yeah. he comes in at the well, biggest also, moment. he hasn't been fit, right? He still, was, right. he still wasn't fit in this game. He said, mm-hmm. he said I'm still not 100%, but yeah. he still they, got up above Jack Elliott, six foot yeah. six Jack Elliott. Uh, who had scored two goals, as you say, and would have been the MVP. Mm-hmm. And but Gareth you just Bell have about. somebody like Gareth Bell, who has all of this experience playing at the highest of levels. He's going to bring that for that big game. And he sure did. Scores the 128th minute, breaking a record right yeah. after it was broken. <laughs> Saves LAFC right at the end. Yeah. And it goes to penalties, you're thinking. MLS really got what they wanted out of this final. <laughs> absolutely. Because <laughs> no, you get the two best did. teams in the league who have been head and head. And just in their own ways, you said Philadelphia doesn't take many losses, but LEFC, of course, usually comes out with a win. Um, and so you really want to see who's the better side. And it lived up to the expectations. It goes to penalties. Yeah. Uh, Maybe that it? didn't live up to the expectations as much, especially the... Philadelphia first penalty kick was a bit uh, shocking Gazdag with the slip. slip, yeah. And after that, it was downhill for Philadelphia, and McCarthy comes out a hero. Yeah, no, he, he did great. He says he prepares uh, for every game where there's where there could be a shootout. He watches a nine minute video of the opposing <laughs> penalty shooters right before the game. That's his that's his pregame warm up. Um, so pregame penalty specialist for a, a reason. He's uh, absolutely incredible. Um, but yeah. As you say, it just I can't believe Gareth Bale does that. He comes up with the moment. He he's known for that in finals. Um, I mean, what did he do in the Champions League final? Of course. Now he he's uh, and I I just can't wait to see what he's gonna do in the future for LAFC because I think next year is when he can really let himself loose after the World Cup, uh, and hopefully he'll be real fit then, um, and we'll be able to see because that's yeah very exciting for LAFC and of course are now in the CONCACAF Champions League that's their next goal um, is to go and win that of course after reaching the goal that they've been chasing for five years mm-hmm. so now that that's covered I think it's time to move on to the Premier League yes of course and we need your favorite coach Jesse Marsh he's getting it done <laughs> because he I mean he did against Liverpool obviously yeah. but now the games he really needs to win um, against a, a newly promoted side who haven't been bad, but you know still have to be beaten. Um, they went down three one, but had a great comeback and uh, got the win uh, against Bournemouth. Um, and, and of course, it had to be uh, Somerville getting the winner in the eighty fourth minute. Um, so, what were your thoughts on that? By the way, the, the Greenwood banger. I just have to say. Incredible! This dude has been Very. sitting on my FPL bench the entire year, and this is what he had in his fucking pocket. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, that was a absolutely beautiful goal, and then Cooper, of course, getting the header uh, equalizes it. And late on, you have new signing Yonto, who almost wouldn't have been with the team. I believe uh, 
who was it that uh, Leeds was trying to sign and that fell through at the last second, like at the airport? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I remember this. Yeah. But Nyonto was really a last second signing for Leeds and he has a beautiful run right through the midfield and dishes the ball into Somerville's path right into the box and Somerville, good finish, saves Jesse Marsh's job twice. Twice, he did. <laughs> I mean, I think that Jesse Marsh kind of has to be a little bit more secure in his job right now than he, he was two weeks ago. Um, I, I don't think that there's a reason to stack him. Uh, every time that I see, uh, every you know couple weeks, I feel differently about Jesse Marsh, but my feeling right now is that he um, is just a manager who puts his you know job on the line basically by playing a very you know beautiful attacking open brand of football uh with teams that you know haven't been the best throughout his career so it's harder to do that but he continues to stick with it uh, i think you know similar to his predecessor marcelo leo so not that they play a similar style but that they are both you know gonna play their style regardless and i think it's admirable in that way and when it works it's fantastic when it mm -hmm. doesn't uh, you, you, everyone starts talking about should he be sacked. Yeah. Of course, there were a couple big games though. Um, we can start with Arsenal Chelsea. Um, you know, Arsenal just riding top of the league. They did get the win um, against Chelsea, and I mean, obviously Chelsea haven't been great. They're sitting now in seventh place. Mm -hmm. um, but it was a Gabriel goal, of course, that. Uh, gave Arsenal the win, um, their third consecutive win at Stamford Bridge. That they're the first team, Premier League team, to win uh, ten away at Stamford Bridge now, which is, I mean, you know, North London rivals. They're gonna hang that over their head for yeah uh, until absolutely. they do it the other way, of course. Um, but riding high, Arsenal, right? Yeah, and I mean, not only do they win one zero, but. This wasn't really a 1-0 game. This was a really dominant game from Arsenal. You mm -hmm. could tell Chelsea was trying to get a foothold. They just couldn't hang with them. They would try to pressure high, get the ball from Arsenal. And whereas last season you had Arsenal looking a little shaky, adapting to the style, this is the kind of game that shows you they've got it now. They've got it in their bag. They're just playing almost one touch constantly passes out of the back just out of pressure and you can see how devastating that is to teams that want to win the ball back um mm. and they just looked completely confident and it's shocking that they only win this game by one really yeah no absolutely it is um i these games were on sunday morning this one was at what 4 a.m for us yep um props to you for getting up i was <laughs> I, I kind of got up, I watched the the end of it, so I did see the goal, but um, I didn't watch, you know, a lot of it because I was um, so exhausted from the media mixer the night before the, for the MLS Cup um, and, and all of that. There was so many events that week, so it was a lot to keep up with. But the other one that morning, which I also watched part of and not the whole thing of, uh, was Tottenham against Liverpool uh, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, of course, and it was, of course, Mohamed Salah against Harry Kane, as you would mm -hmm. expect. Uh, Salah gets the brace. Kane can only get one. That's the difference. Um, and so a big win for Liverpool uh, to keep them, you know, relevant, I think. They're sitting behind Chelsea in eighth place, two points behind Chelsea. Mm -hmm. uh, Spurs still in the top four, 
right? They're still on 26 points, still ahead of Manchester United, um, but, you know, they need to be able to find these wins. Uh, meanwhile, Liverpool starting to find the wins, their first away win of the season. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, I think with Liverpool, like we've talked about, they've been a little shaky. I think they mm-hmm. will find their way back up into at least the top five. Mm-hmm. And I would guess top four. Right. They've left themselves a lot of catch-up to do, but I think it'll average out over the season. I think after you come back from World Cup, it's going to shake things up mm-hmm. quite a bit, and you'll probably see Liverpool return to form a bit. Mm-hmm. But this is definitely a good result for them to get back on track. Um, and, you know, like we said, they show up for the big games, and they showed up for this one, especially solid, just capitalizing on some mistakes and getting the job done. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll we'll see. It's going to be a very interesting season developing, especially, you know, we're about to head into this World Cup break. We have one more week. Um, but to see how this is going to unfold, because now Arsenal at the top, City still trying to chase. Um, and the top six are just kind of spread out around that um, top half area. So it'll be interesting to see if those, you know, normal top six or big six whatever you want to call them can shift themselves back up as you might expect um but speaking of one of those it is manchester united um also on sunday morning who lost to uh aston villa at villa park 3-1 uh i mean i know that as a city fan right here sitting with all this city stuff we enjoy it right (laughs) but uh, i mean what's going on in manchester united i mean you could say part of it is Emery coming in and probably this Villa side having more enthusiasm to play than they did before but it's just the history of the United as Chiellini would say it's just they're really up and down they'll just drop these stupid games out of nowhere and not look convincing at all and so that's just been United's identity for probably five plus years now I want to say mm-hmm. and they just really haven't figured anything out Leon Bailey with a nice left footed finish Dinie I know you love that free kick that's a f- <laughs> banger man there were so many good goals this week um, I, I was going to say we should do a goal of the week segment we'll start that next week because there's no doubt about it, it was goal, of the, goal was the goal of the week this, season, this week excuse me it was uh, Yuri Tielemans I mean absolute stunner but there were a ton of them uh, this week there were even uh, there were some records broken as well for the number of goals I think on Saturday it was mm. uh, ridiculous but as you say Unai Emery um, just the fourth manager in Premier League history to win uh, his first game in charge of a team against United uh, so but I feel like that's kind of a lot honestly for in, in the Premier League to do that against United I feel like that's a I feel like that's a stat against them um, but as you say they're always motivated under a new manager still though United shouldn't be uh, losing this game, now sitting, as we said, in fifth place. Um, But, you know, it's a project for them, isn't it? I mean, some people like to think that. I don't know. I'm not as convinced about it. I think United just consistently does this, where they're like, oh, we're developing some things here, but I don't really... You don't think They'll they'll make some transfers sometimes that are decent Mm -hmm. but there's just never consistent enough transfers or consistent enough identity with them to convince me maybe that's part of my bias against them Mm -hmm. but 
I just, I don't look at this United team and get scared of them. And I don't feel like in five years with the same lineup, I would also still be scared of them. So you could say it's a project, but I mean, how many managers are you going to go through before you realize maybe your whole club is just, there's something not working at a higher level. Fair enough, but there is a project that is absolutely working, and that is Newcastle United, who now sit in third place uh, in the Premier League after smashing Southampton 4-1. We've talked about Miguel Almiron. He now has the second most non-penalty goals in the league behind, of course, Erling Haaland. Um, but and a beautiful goal too. Yeah, of course it was. I mean, it's a couple <laughs> really of them. Really good reading in this of game. the defender just lets the ball roll right around him, gets around, taps it in, and he's looking real serious these past few games. So absolutely, and they've now scored four plus goals um, in their last four games, or four four of the last seven. Excuse me. Um, that's as many times as they've done it in the past two hundred and twenty six, though. So. It's 226 versus 7. Mm-hmm. I think that is uh, all you need to hear about how much Newcastle's improving, not only with their results, but their style of play, scoring that right. many goals, right? Uh, it's it's actually fun to watch Newcastle, and I don't think that we could have said that for the past many, many years. So kind of bringing back the previous point about Manchester United, mm-hmm. when you see a project like Newcastle do this, I know there was the financial takeover and everything, yeah. but it's not like United's owners are bankrupt mm. or they haven't spent any money. Right. When you see Newcastle go from really struggling to get to where they had been in the past, mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden they're looking like a legitimate top four side, Where's United at? Where is this kind of energy from United? And that's why maybe I'm not as convinced. You could say it is a bit of a project for United, but why is Newcastle's paying off so quickly? And why is Arsenal's paying off? And United is just continuing to not get there. You know, you're right. Um, but I think it's it really is about Eddie Howe, a, a lot about it, because um, he has been incredible for Newcastle. Uh, I think there's, you know, he there's this like dichotomy with Eddie Howe where he sometimes is really, really good and sometimes, you know, you're wishing more. But I think that it, it's more a result of just the teams that he's given. And if he's given a team that's good enough, he's going to produce. And when he's given these relegation side teams, he's, he's kept them up for the most part. Um, and he's, you know, done really, really well and brought teams up as well. But... Yeah, I think it's down to that, and he's he has a lot of experience in this league, and so I think you just have to give him a lot of credit because I don't think it's like, oh, Ten Hag should be doing what Eddie Howe is doing because I don't think that they were going to be this good this fast um, either, but I think you just have to give Eddie Howe the credit because it's very, very impressive what he's done. And as I said, sitting in third place, and you were talking about Liverpool, United, Spurs, so I have to ask you, is Newcastle United going to make the top four this season so i think we can guarantee at this point that city and arsenal are going to make it right i'm not very convinced by united or chelsea fair enough that leaves spurs newcastle and liverpool Mm -hmm. and i just have a hard time seeing liverpool not make that 
So even though they're, even though they're behind, the lowest of that whole group, they're the lowest of that entire group. Still relatively early on. I think mm-hmm. the gap is around eight points. Would it be to? Yeah, between Newcastle, who's in third, and Liverpool, who's in eighth, mm-hmm. there are eight points. But they're they're also sitting on an extra game behind Newcastle and Spurs. Yeah, I think they'll turn it around in the second half of the season. You see Salah starting to gain some traction, mm-hmm. get back to where he used to be, where he used to be scoring goals almost every week for them. Yeah, um, and so I think that'll play a big part. I think Liverpool will get their way back in it. But when you look at Newcastle and Spurs. It's a tough one for me to call. I think one finishes fourth, one finishes fifth, but right now, I'm leaning Newcastle, actually. Ooh, ooh, wow. They look really good. They've been consistent. It's just the only way we're going to know is how is their form after World Cup. Yeah, it's it's going to be very interesting but, to see. Yeah, but I think, uh, as you say, after World Cup, it's going to be interesting for Liverpool, Salah's gaining form, right? But now he's going to take a break. I think it can be good for him um, because he's obviously not in the World Cup with Egypt. So if he can take that break, just as Holland gets that break, it can really help those two teams to push for what they're trying to push for, Liverpool top four and, and City the title. Uh, I think it can help out both teams. But for Newcastle United, it's, it's going to be a very, very tight battle uh, with Spurs. United, Chelsea, and Liverpool all in that battle. So it's going to be very, very exciting uh, come the end of the season. All right. I think we can move on to Champions League. Mm -hmm. We just had the round of 16 draw. Before we get to that, we'll talk about the groups, which mostly stayed the same, except Group H, Benfica. Yeah, of course. And... Just six one battering of Maccabi Haifa, and that's what um, they needed, right? Yeah, they get that last minute goal from Jao Mario, shot outside the box, really good strike, but ends up winning them the group at the last second, um, and that ends up giving them a matchup with Bruges, um, and I believe who was the second place team in their group. In that group, which, which group? Uh, group H. So yeah, PSG. So of course, if, yeah. They, if we are, of course, it doesn't work like this. But if you were to look at, all right, how do you fare if you finish second? What's the other team in your group? playing against psg has bayern so did have they dodged bayern with that late Jao mario goal of course it's a completely different draw if benfica ends up second but looking at from a basic standpoint you can say they dodged bayern so that goal is very very massive even though maybe in the moment it didn't seem like it mm-hmm. but huge goal for them they'll face bruges which I think is somebody they can handle. Bruges had a really good start to the groups, started to fade, and Benfica's just looked really strong. So I see them getting away with that. But uh, what what about the other matches? Which ones interest you so far? Yeah, yeah, well, um, 
it, that was crazy to me that that Benfica finished a, in finished first in a group with PSG <laughs> and Juve. First of all, that blew my mind. Um, but yeah, I that 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 last match day was a little bit more boring than you would have wanted uh, in a final match day in UCL groups. Yeah. Um, but I think we got you know a little bit of drama. But of course, you mentioned that PSG Bayern game, right? That's gonna Massive. be. The, the two leg tie of course I would I, I think that's just going to be a fantastic game because those are the two second and third I think I would say to win the win the UCL or second and third favorites behind Man City so to for them to hit clash in the round of 16 is just ridiculous you can make an argument Real Madrid is in that top three though of course as well mm-hmm. and they drew Liverpool which is I mean a tough draw for both of them I I wouldn't want to be either one of them. I think uh, Real Madrid, of course, have maybe the slight advantage. Um, but and two clubs with a lot of history in the Champions League. Itself. Of course, of course. Um, Chelsea, Dortmund. I mean, I I think that even Spurs, uh, Milan. I think that this is a really really tasty draw. Honestly, City get the generous draw with Leipzig. We'll, we have to be honest there. Um, but like Porto, Benfica. Or sorry, Bruges, Benfica. Excuse me. Um, that is a pretty even matchup. You know, everybody would want to draw them, but they drew each other because Benfica f- finishes first. And so everybody wants to draw them. Uh, Eintracht, Napoli. Yeah, Napoli, that's a favorable draw for Napoli. Um, they're probably going to smash Eintracht, but fair enough. But Chelsea Dortmund, even uh, Inter Porto. You know, Porto have been really, really good. So, you know, you would think Inter, but. You know, I don't know. We'll do our Champions League predictions in a while once after the World Cup, of course, when we have these games. Um, But, yeah, just a really, really tasty draw. And speaking of Frankfurt, something I could insert real quick is Paxton Aronson. Oh, yes. Younger brother of Brandon Aronson looks to be headed to Eintracht Frankfurt. Absolutely. Yeah, we are going to get, now that the MLS season is off, we're going to start getting MLS transfers, and we're going to, transfer season is going to come back, because uh, we just feels like we just left it, honestly. Um, but yes, you're you're right, uh, Paxton Aronson. Uh, I was I was just literally like ten or fifteen minutes before Tom Bogart tweeted that out. I was talking to Jack McGlynn. Is mm-hmm. of course they came up to the academy, Philadelphia Union Academy together. They are both nineteen years old. They're best friends basically. Um, they and played I wanted a lot to... on the youth national teams as well together. Yeah, of course. And so I wanted to ask him about that, and, but I but I didn't know it until 10 or 15 minutes <laughs> after I spoke to him. Tried to ask him after the MLS Cup, but he didn't really want to talk about it, of course, at that point, neither did Paxton. Um, but, yeah, fantastic for Paxton Aronson. Um, no loan back, nothing. He's going to go straight to Eintracht basically right now. Mm. Um, and so we're going to hopefully see him soon in the Bundesliga and maybe in the Champions League. Should be interesting. I've heard from some people that do follow Frankfurt that there is a lot of competition at his position. Mm. So we could potentially see him loaned out to a smaller side in Europe. Mm. But eventually they see him with enough potential to play in the Bundesliga and the Champions League. So we'll see. Is that sooner than we would expect? Or is it going to take a few years? Mm. We'll see. Absolutely. That's a very good question. Um, but with that, we can move to our moment of the week, and I can ask you, what was yours? Because I think you have a good one. That's right. I have 37-year-old Lucas Podolski Mm. 
everyone remembers him. Great striker. Yeah. But he's playing in the Estraklasa in Poland. Good pronunciation. <laughs> I hope I got it right. I think but you got it. A sixty-yard shot ends up going in the goal, catches the keeper out. He still got it. He has. He's absolutely got it. Um, mine. I don't usually do ones from from games that we cover, but if, but I, I don't have a choice this time. Um, I'm just gonna do the whole week of MLS Cup, but mainly I'll say the um, march to the match from LAFC. Um, the 32-52, they were uh, you know moved uh, about a half a mile away to Jesse Brewer Junior Park. It's still within Expo Park, just a little bit further, um, because of the parking situation with USC and, and all of that, but. Uh, they made the best of it, had an incredible march to the match. Um, but for me, as my first MLS Cup covering it, um, it was an incredible experience throughout the entire week. There were so many events from the, the first press conferences to their trainings to Don Garber um, and his inner, uh, you know state of the league, he likes to call it, state of the union basically, but for the MLS, I guess, I don't know. Um, and yeah, the media mixer that I mentioned earlier is it's just so much um, that was incredible in this week f- uh, of MLS Cup action um, and my first covering it. So that has to be my moment of the week. It wasn't Acosta becoming a Philadelphia Union player. Oh my God. <laughs> Look, I'm not going to expose this guy. I, I'm not going to name him. I'm not going to do any of that. But it is somebody from a news outlet that shouldn't be um, making those type of mistakes. Uh, and yes, that was that was quite embarrassing um, for him. He, he was very embarrassed, I'll, I'll say. He, yeah, but, but people were making jokes about it all weekend. Um, but of course, uh, we have to move on. We have one more week of Premier League. The, the MLS is over, but the Premier League, one more week. And then, of course, we have the World Cup. So we can move on to some really, really exciting coverage that we're going to bring to you guys. Um, but this week, our game of the week will be City vs. Chelsea in the EFL Cup, the Carabao Cup. Um, so check that one out. Watch it. We'll come back and, and cover it um, just like we did the MLS Cup this week. Uh, and yeah, we'll cover the prem, of course, and all of that, and then we'll give you our World Cup group predictions next week. We'll, uh, so come back for that. But of course, like this video, drop subscription um, on our YouTube. That really, really helps. Um, but we will see you next week with those World Cup predictions. <laughs>